WBNE. Hello from elsewhere, I'm Eenie. And I'm Casey, and this episode comes to you straight from the farms of Bogus, Bunts, and Bean. Because today we're discussing the making of Fantastic Mr. Fox. So today, I am joined by one of my favorite podcasters, one half of the podcast Sincerely Us, a delightful human who just happens to be one of my best friends in the world. It's Eni Frenmayor. Hi, Eni. Casey, you can't make me cry at the top of the show. This is not how this works. Oh. I'm blushing so hard. I'm so excited to be here. I am so um, excited. I've been looking forward to this like crazy. So Same. I, I also, I feel like this like cements my like uh wes anderson expertness right uh this will be the (laughs) third episode that i'm doing on wes anderson on two different podcasts (laughs) so yes i'm just the master of all wes anderson so dear listeners go check out eni's episodes on um you did isle of dogs and before that you did grand budapest grand budapest hotel right yeah Um, on bacon and eggs with 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 uh, Ethan. ethan so go check those out after you Listen to this. Yeah, once this is done, of course. So, Eni, I have an all-important question for you. Okay. Okay. So, this one comes from one of our patrons, Austin, the Sprinkle Wizard. He says, mm. what is a movie, so this can be live action or traditionally animated, what is a movie that you think would work as stop motion animation? So, for me, I always lean, because, I mean, I do host a musical theater podcast, so my my brain always goes into like a musical um and then i started thinking traditionally animated so i started thinking disney movies because although my podcast is not a disney fan cast um i do love disney and i would love to see like specifically like claymation of aladdin because i want to see like a clay uh genie and like a cave of wonders I love kind that. Of thing. That would be amazing. And that's been stuck in my head since you sent me the all important questions. So that's what I'm going to go for. I love that so much. That would be awesome. A, a claymation genie. Like they could do some really cool stuff with that. Right? Yeah. And and even the, the one jump sequence in the beginning, I think would look really cool in stop motion. Like Aladdin just kind of jumping through buildings and, and yeah. rooftops and stuff. So I think that would look really cool as stop motion. But honestly, like all of the movies, I just want all of the movies to be stop motion. Every movie should be stop motion. Yes. (laughs) Also, I'm proud of myself that I only have one answer (laughs) because I'm usually the person that comes with a list of like 10 things and you've asked me for one because I'm very indecisive. I'm always like, Eni, what are your top five? And then you give me 20. Yes, that's usually usually it. Because like I could even say like Phantom of the Opera would be really cool as stop motion. That would be cool. Like the entire scene of like during the Phantom of the Opera song when they're going down to his like lair, I guess. Yeah. It's very like foggy. And like one of my favorite things in stop motion is cotton fog or yes. smoke. Yes. So I think that would look really cool. Um, plus the Phantom with his mask, I think would be amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said, look, I came with one thing and then you just. Yeah. And then I just, another. there's the second one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Uh, so I was thinking, I was trying to think of a movie that would be better as stop motion. So a movie that's like, I thought this movie was okay, not great, but if it was in stop motion, it would just bring it up a notch. Yeah. So I was thinking of um, the BFG, Steven Spielberg's oh, wow. yeah, BFG, yeah. which was like, Absolutely. it was an okay movie, 
but they could have really done some awesome, fantastic feeling stuff if it was in stop motion. Especially like I was thinking about the beginning, which feels kind of miniature-ish anyways with the giant walking through, um, like running through the big city. So I just mm-hmm. think that would be really cool in miniature. I feel like all of the Roldal books could be, like yeah. the books, movies could be really good stop motion. That's so true. Witches would be properly creepy. Right? Yeah. It'd be very creepy. <laughs> have you seen the old witches from the 90s? I have not. I have not. Oh, man. That's a nightmare fuel, nightmare fuel adventure. I think I saw like probably 20 minutes of the new one and I was it was like really late at night and I'm like maybe I should watch this when there's daylight out because I'm scared <laughs> of like all of the things. Yeah. So I can't watch like remotely scary movies at night. Oh, and there has to be sun out. <laughs> I'm the same way, but for some reason my parents let us watch The Witches growing up. It was a, a household staple. Wow. <laughs> and like a little girl gets stuck in a painting and it's yeah, terrifying. No. So, no thank you. Valerie and I watched it the other day. It's still really scary. I'm very, uh, I was a a little traumatized as a child uh, because my brother watched movies that were too old for him and I'm two two years younger than him. So we were were sitting when I was like probably eight or nine years old watching like the Freddy Krueger movies and and all of that. So I just don't like scary movies whatsoever. I'm the same. Anything way. remotely creepy or scary. Um, it took me forever to watch uh, Get Out, um, yeah. which is a scary movie, but it's more suspenseful than like jump scary. That's well, why no, I hear. It definitely I, has I still need scares. to see that one. Yeah. Uh, it's very good, but it took me like a year to watch. <laughs> Even I like I watched it because it was nominated right. for Oscars, and I was like, fine, I guess I'll sit and watch it. <laughs> and then I loved it, but it's kind of jump scary, and I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> Well, we are not talking about scary things today. Oh, no. But we're not. <laughs> that We're talking about stop motion. And I'm so excited because I love stop motion so, so much. Um, so today, in terms of an outline, we're going to talk about sort of our own experiences with stop motion. I'm going to give a very, very brief history of stop motion. And then we're going to talk about the making of Fantastic Mr. Fox, because it's a movie that we both love. And I asked Eni what... You know, this was all Eni's idea. I said, I want to do a making of episode with you. What movie should we talk about the making of? And it was your idea to talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox. So Yeah, and, and it had it was actually before Ethan had even asked me to come on Bacon and Eggs to do Isle of Dogs. Yeah. So I was like, I had just watched Fantastic Mr. Fox to kind of refresh myself on it because it had been a while since I'd watched it. And like I think two days later, Ethan's like, "Hey, can you come on and we, we can cover another Wes Anderson? We can do Isle of Dogs." I'm like, "Sure, absolutely." <laughs> More stop motion, absolutely. It's just in the air. <laughs> so, um, if you don't know, uh, not you, Eni, just the listener at large. Uh, stop motion is the use of objects such as clay figures or puppets that are min- manipulated with very slight changes with each change photographed. So when the photographs are viewed in in succession, the objects look to be moving fluidly. Um, I have to say, yes, Tyler Carlin, all movies are technically stop motion in a way, but stop motion animation as a technique is special because it's all an illusion. It's it's magic and I love it so much. So with that sort of background, Eni, what is your, where did your love of stop motion stem from so i i can't i honestly can't tell you what the first stop motion animation movie 
was that I watched. But I can tell you that where I fell in love with it were the Christmas movies, like um, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie, uh, the the other ones, all of the, the, there's like three of them. Those are definitely the ones that kind of like made me fall in love with stop motion. And then my brother was absolutely obsessed with The Nightmare Before Christmas. So that was like a staple in our household that we watched a lot. And then my brother and I are very much into like behind the scenes. So we've seen all of the documentaries on The Nightmare Before Christmas and how they created that movie and how long it took them to create the sets and and the props and all of the things. but usually if I see a movie is stop motion, like just the fact that it's stop motion animation already has my attention, I'm already gonna go see that movie. Just because I, I can appreciate the amount of work that it takes to create these movies. Yeah, so, that, yeah. it's like another level of of patience and artistry that it oh, takes. Oh, absolutely. I feel like. And <laughs> absolutely. We'll, we'll get into that, I think, with, with Fantastic Mr. Fox especially, because it is a work of art. Um, but I love that. That's that's so fun. I I grew up watching Nightmare Before Christmas as well. That was definitely yeah. a, a household um, staple growing up, and I love that one. I think the first the first time I remember my dad telling me like what stop motion was, I was really young, and we were watching a, a Ray Harryhausen movie. Who mm-hmm. you know, Ray Harryhausen made all these old movies 50s 60s into the 80s even um but especially in the 50s and 60s these sort of b sci-fi monster movies with these um you know live action but in the background there might be some sort of creature or monster that was created Mm -hmm. in stop motion and that was the first time i even my first memory of learning anything behind the scenes like who like this thing was created somehow and also the the method of you just move it a little bit and you take a picture move it a little bit take a picture and that was like that blew my mind and I have a very vivid memory of my dad talking to me about that. Um, I think, I don't remember which Harryhausen movie it was. I think it might've been Valley of Guanji. It was a dinosaur type creature. Um, but I definitely remember him talking to me about that. And then I also grew up watching like the old black and white King Kong and then Mighty Joe Young. And then we had a VHS uh, set of the Wallace and Gromit shorts, which we loved growing up. Like the, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the names now. The the wrong trousers, tra- wrong trousers, and and the one where they go to the moon, which was so fun. Um, I actually remember those. Yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't get into all of the older stuff until I started taking film classes in high school and college. So it wasn't until I started actually learning about film and stuff that I I kind of learned the history and where stop motion really started and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I was like all of the stop motion, all of the Tim Burton stop motions we've seen. My high school did, our marching band did Coraline like as a show. Oh, cool. So we watched Coraline so much that year. Yeah. Um, which is also kind of creepy and <laughs> a little scary. Okay. Coraline. I, so I love Leica Studios like mm-hmm. so much. Kubo and the Two Strings is mm. um, possibly a my favorite movie just period. I love, wow. love, love that movie so, so much. But Coraline freaks me out. Like, Oh, for sure. I watched it last year for the first time and I oh. was terrified. <laughs> so scary. I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't so do it. I, 
I remember watching it when it came out because, again, like, I'm very into stop motion. So any movie that comes out stop motion, like, it piques my interest. And then my brother is very into, like, dark stuff. So he's like, oh, let's go watch it. It looks very Nightmare Before Christmassy, And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go watch it. And I remember watching it and being like, this is terrifying. How is this for children? Like, I don't understand. And then watching it probably a dozen times uh in a span of like six months in high school kind of like burnt it out for me but it's just i it's stop motion like any stop motion even if if the movie like the the story of the movie doesn't catch you like just the the art and science honestly uh behind stop motion is just so fascinating to me it's it's like it's the most artistic form of animation for me like yeah and it, it's definitely a different level for me of normal uh, from stop motion to normal animation. I used to make little Lego stop motion movies when I was oh thir- 12, 13. You know, this is back That's... in this would have been the 90s. Yeah, I used to make these stop motion Lego movies and I loved it so much, but it took so much. Oh, for patience. sure. <laughs> I've so never attempted. I've never attempted. I'm scared to try it and get frustrated because I lose patience very easily. Like, I'm not the most patient person. So I'm I'm scared to, like, try it and then just, like, absolutely hate it <laughs> because because I love it so much. Like, right. I don't want to uh, taint that you, <laughs> for you, me. You'll never watch stop motion again. It'll be so exactly. damaging. <laughs> I mean, probably not. But, but still, I feel like I'm going to lose some of my love of it by trying right. to do it myself i am in no way a professional (laughs) so in terms of the the history of stop motion again just really briefly this goes all the way back to the silent era the first the first stop motion footage was from 1898 which is insane Uh, there was this short film called the humpty dumpty circus about a day in the life of the circus but it was lost like the film was lost to time so there's no way to view that one which is a bummer oh wow that that's the saddest thing about you learn about silent movie history is how much stuff is just lost just lost yeah because stuff wasn't preserved the way it is today um so yeah one of my favorites though is is Vadislav Sterwis is his name and he made a bunch of stop-motion movies in the silent era the best my favorite one is it's called the cameraman's revenge and it's literally like little bugs going about their adult lives like pretty adult themes like i think one of the bugs is cheating on the other on the other bugs wife oh my or God. something. one of the bugs is a cameraman there's like part with a movie within the movie which is really cool but the crazy part is they are real um like bug bodies like they're dead bugs that are being oh my God. <laughs> reanimated in this film which is so crazy and I love that's it so, so twisted, much. but I that's know. so interesting. Yeah, so like if you take one thing from me from this episode is just go watch the cameraman's revenge. Go watch yeah. go watch the bug movie. It's not too long. It's like the twelve, thirteen minutes, but I just love stop motion, but I or I just love silent films, but I especially mm-hmm. love learning that silent films were doing stuff even before I realized they were doing stuff. And stop motion is the case. Um, there's this other one called The Tale of the Fox, which was a, a joint French and Russian animated film with like these stop mm-hmm. motion animals. It was actually some of the inspiration for the Fantastic Mr. Fox film. So Wes Anderson, I guess, had, had seen that at a younger age and uh, was inspired by it. So that was so that was a silent era. And then you jump into like the golden age, which I um, mentioned that was kind of where my interest started, but um, that made it sound like I was alive then. I just, <laughs> I'm not that old. 
Um, You're not old, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this was like after the silent era film, you get King Kong, um, which was in like 34, I think, and Mighty Joe Young. And then, um, so King Kong was the creation of Willis O'Brien, who's known as like the father of modern stop motion. Um, mm-hmm. But his protege was Ray Harryhausen. So a little bit later, we get all of Harryhausen's films, Jason and the Argonauts, Clash of the Titans, all the all the good ones. They're so good. Yeah. And then we also got the Rankin Bass Christmas stuff, which you mentioned. Yeah, that's that's um, all. That's what solidified like my love. That's that's all of my fondest memories. Like, especially, and it's Christmas. Like, I love Christmas. So just watching those movies every year, and I to this day I still watch them every year, and I'm still like, that's so cool. I know they're so fun. I love those so much. What's fun is, um, so Burl Ives, who uh, was the snowman in a lot of those mm-hmm. old Rankin Bass Christmas videos. Wes Anderson put some of his records there in the background of Fantastic Mr. Fox. There's so some Burl Ives uh, songs in there. So there's a little fun little Easter egg for you. Wes Anderson's attention to detail is absolutely insane. I don't know how many times in my notes I'm like, he's just he's just on another level entirely. Well, let's let's go there. Let's jump in. I think that's enough enough history. We can dive into the fan, into Fantastic Mr. Fox. I so I watched a bunch of uh, like videos and read a f- bunch of articles, and yeah. apparently there's a book that I almost purchased, but I'm currently on a book buying ban because I've bought oh. a lot of books, um, <laughs> and I'm not currently allowed to buy any more books. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I didn't buy the book. So I the first time I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox was in the movie theater. My my dad is a huge Wes Anderson fan and in turn made me a huge Wes Anderson fan. Uh, we've seen all of his movies together. Um, and, and it's his first stop motion animation movie. Up until Fantastic Mr. Fox, he had only done live action. And <laughs> there's a quote from, hold on, let me pull it up because I don't want to misquote it. Because I read it and all I did was laugh. Peter Saunders, who was one of the animators who worked on this, um, he worked along with Ian McKinnon, I think was his name? Yes. Says about Wes Anderson, he was fearless about breaking all of the taboos in stop motion animation because of his limited experience in it. And I think that worked to his advantage. He wasn't set in his ways. And I read that and I was like, that seems like an astute observation. But also, if you know anything about Wes Anderson's filming, he breaks all of the movie rules, like just movie rules to begin with. So I would imagine that he breaks all of the stop motion animation rules as well. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the, just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so in the so I have this on on DVD and there's a couple behind the scenes things on there that, that there's not a lot, which was a bummer. But on, on part of it, Wes Anderson mentioned that how he wanted to just shoot it like he was shooting live action. He didn't want to think of it as stop motion or at least think about that as little as possible. Yeah. So they built 120 sets from scratch. And, and another another thing that they had to do is basically create everything. Like everything yeah. was hand built. Everything like he wanted it to have this look of being hand done. So much so and, and not being as like fluid as like say Coraline or or any of the newer stop motions. 
so much so that he, they actually filmed, because uh, usually you film 24 frames for one second of film. In Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's 12 frames that are doubled for one set of film. So it gives it more of a like jarring kind of um, just jittery feel, I guess, um, which kind of gives it that the same feeling of just being an older movie even though it's not an older movie and it just it feels more rustic i guess would be a word to use for that i don't know it's just it's wes anderson (laughs) um it, it somehow he translated like his directing style into this stop motion mo- uh, movie about foxes <laughs> and yeah. it's I think just I read baffling one, to me i think i read one quote where he said he wanted the audience to know it was stop motion like he didn't mm-hmm. want it to be he didn't want you to be questioning it he wanted you to know this is stop motion and i love that. yeah that he wanted it to look like because you watch those old ones like the uh, the tale of the fox that he was inspired mm-hmm. by or even king kong he loved the way that you could tell it was stop motion you know it hasn't aged super well but that's kind of what gives it the um it makes the those films it makes them a very specific moment in time and you can yeah, tell it's what a, moment that it's is it's a testament to the era that they were made in yeah you know um and and in this and even in Isle of Dogs which is his his other stop motion movie um it's just so specific like his eye for everything and uh, in, in one of the videos I was watching, they talked about how he was used to filming live action. So a prop master would come into a room that they're trying to decorate and be like, these are the props we have, you know, pick out of these six coffee cups. And with this, it was more of a, I want a coffee cup that looks like this, but also has a handle from this other coffee cup that I saw at a cafe when I was in Paris three years ago. And, and that's Wes Anderson for you. So I think the freedom that he had, which I'm sure he drove everyone insane, um, <laughs> the freedom that he had to kind of create everything from scratch is just absolutely beautiful. I mean, they, they actually went to um, Rodal's house and like they talk about like the tree that's drawn in the front of the book, that it was an actual tree that was like a couple of blocks away or whatever. They actually like visited the tree. They took a bunch of pictures of like studies and like stuff like that. And a lot of the sets came from there. And I I just, the costumes, like just every little detail in this is insane. And everybody was kind of giving him grief because he wanted the puppets to have actual hair instead of it being clay which then made the lighting people super upset because apparently when you sh- when you take pictures of fur and you animate them the fur like uh kind of just like fl- it doesn't flow well like it, like the f- the fur moves a lot yeah cuz so, i think generally on stop motion if they if you want to use hair they generally use a synthetic because it's a little stiffer and it's a just easier yeah. to control and in stop motion control is everything but he was insistent that you know for the animals they used actual animal mm-hmm. hair and that for the humans they used actual human hair like yeah. some of the animators hair was the right color and they're like oh we're just going to take some of your hairs here for these puppets <laughs> yeah, but that made it so crazy it gives the hair a, a little bit of a it goes back to that jerkier quality the it's less smooth it's clearly stop motion i think he said He's like has a vivid memory of King Kong and how the fur on King Kong looked and it would move a little bit in each frame yeah. and it would look a little weird, but it looked also awesome because it, it just gave it a, a timely quality and he wanted to recreate that. And I love that. Absolutely. 
Um, what else? I have so many notes here. I have so many things. Well, back to what you were talking about too, with all the details, like that's the insanity to me is that yes, it's a stop motion film and it's, you know, technically animated, but you have all the same departments. You have to have a costuming department. You have to have um, a production um, designer. You have to have all that, the, the prop masters, everything. But also, again, it has to be created from scratch. Like in the Badger's office, there's a Mac behind him that looks mm-hmm. just like a regular Mac. But yep. it's not like in a live action movie where you just go find a Mac. No, they had to make that in miniature. And I love that. <laughs> they had 29 film units going all at the same time. That's between. Insane. I mean, between creating, building, sculpting, costumes, shooting, like those 29 different units that they were using all at the same time. Well, that shows you how painstaking it is to just, because, you know, you can only get a few seconds, you know, per week, really. So, well, yeah. So, um, a full day of shooting, like a full day of just shooting would give them 30 seconds of film, like of movie, which is... (laughs) Like, I I have so much respect for people who do stop motion because that is absolutely insane to me how long it could take to create this movie. I heard that. So they um, they would sometimes be filming a scene, but it would go overnight and they would they call that a hot set when when the set is in the middle of filming. But on stop motion, a hot set can last for a couple days because, yeah, you can't go you know you can't touch anything only certain people can be in there because you're just moving things by little increments and if it went overnight they had to well so on all the sets they would have to glue like the lights and the sets to the floor and weigh them down and then overnight they especially needed that so things didn't change even slight temperature changes or um if there's precipitation outside yep it could impact the lighting even just slightly that they come back in the morning and the light's just barely off, but you can tell in the middle of a shot. So of course, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's just absolutely, absolutely bonkers. And, and the thing is that, so Wes Anderson doesn't just direct like Wes Anderson usually writes, directs Mm -hmm. and produces all of his movies. So, Um, what I was reading was he did actually uh, directed a lot of this movie uh, remotely and then ended up in this like for like the big shots uh, like uh, some of the big bigger scenes like he actually went to um, the staging area wherever it was that they were shooting it which is like insane to me because like Wes Anderson ha- it, like to me is such a control freak <laughs> yeah. like he wants everything exactly a certain way that I can't imagine him like I can't imagine those poor people having to deal with like him doing things remotely yeah well and I'm sure part of it too was him being slightly inexperienced with the stop motion he oh, had yeah. to put a lot of trust on these people that were pros in the industry of stop motion that really knew what they were doing but at the same time, like you mentioned, he's he's breaking rules and sort of pushing them, pushing their limits. So really, uh, really, I, I think it worked out to the benefit of the movie that it's a good balance of of the old and the new and the breaking rules while also um, sticking with some traditional techniques. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I say this about Wes Anderson all the time. Wes Anderson is the type of director where you turn on a movie and within three minutes of watching the movie, if you even if you don't read his name, like you know that that's a Wes Anderson movie. And for yeah. him to be able to translate that from live action to stop motion is one of the reasons why he's probably my favorite director. I, I was watching an interview 
with Ian McKinnon, I believe. And he was talking about how they spent, I think, 20 hours just setting up the fox, like their house and just putting props in and just placing everything exactly right, exactly where it needed to be. And that's just one set of (laughs) all of the sets that they made. So I, I just, I the sheer amount of hours and man hours that goes into these kinds of movies is still always going to be like the most baffling thing to me because it's just, it's so much time. Like you have to absolutely love what you do in order to spend so much time doing this. Right. Well, and and like you mentioned, Wes Anderson's very like known for the details and yep. stop motion is all about the details. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, you know, every single frame, you know, there's frame to frame decisions. Um, I think I have a quote that Wes said, you know, everything is more intricate in stop motion. So, yes. Um, yeah, it's just it's harder in a lot of ways than the live action. Oh, for sure. And and again, just because of the the type of director he is, he has his hand in absolutely everything yeah. down to costuming. Um, I was reading that he actually sent them a pair of his corduroy pants. And yeah. I was like, this is what I want you guys to find and make, you know, his suit out of. And, and it's just like, it's like... I would just be like, he needs to be in a corduroy suit. It needs to be this color. Like, I'm, <laughs> but he goes the extra step. Like this, this is the exact shade of yellow. This is the exact texture of corduroy that you need to find. And you can't use my pants because they're my pants. Right. So <laughs> you need to figure it out. And then the thing is that for each character, there's at least twelve um, dolls. Like there's twelve. Um, I think it was. Yeah, I think it's twelve. Um, And then you have 12 full-size ones, and then you also have half-size puppets or dolls, or I I don't know what they they referred to them as. And the process of actually making them was completely baffling to me as well, because that's something that I've never really looked into until I started researching for this. Um, so they, the way that they do it was they started out with clay. They used, like, a, a plastiline clay and was, like, they would create the character. Wes would come in and say, no, I want you to change this, this, and this. They would then recreate it, change it. Once it got final approval, they would have to remove the a layer with how thick they thought the hair was going to be, and then basically create a mold um, out of that clay model. And then from the mold, they would recreate all of like the extra copies of, of the the puppets that they would need. And then that's just the surface because inside you have a joint for everywhere that the puppet needs to move. All of the face, like the face itself is always so difficult because they don't have actual muscles. So you have to be able to create things to make them smile, to make their eyebrows go up, to, you know, make them, you know, when he does his little thing you know <laughs> that half his mouth moves and and it's just and then once all of that's done then you have to go and add all of the hair and the hair on the face was put in literally like hair by hair because of they have those like extreme close-up shots so the hair had to be like exactly right for the face so they're like by hand just putting hairs on these little puppets faces and it's just so much commitment to this they had to also because of the fur they had to exaggerate the facial expressions Mm -hmm. like to be readable to the audience as well and so even just animating that would be painstaking 
it's it's just so it's so crazy it's so crazy the amount that has to go and that's just a puppet so then you have to actually like stage the scene put the puppet in the scene take a picture and move the puppet take a picture move the puppet take a picture move the puppet take a picture move the puppet and then you've moved the puppet so many times that now you have to put in a new puppet because the old puppet is already like deteriorating (laughs) right (laughs) and it's just like so that puppet has to go and like get his fur fixed or get his costume fixed while you're using another puppet and it's just so many things like so many things it's it's absolutely bonkers something i love about this movie is the like you mentioned there's different sizes because some of those wide shots you, they would have like the slightly smaller puppets yeah. but maybe less detail, you know, sort mm-hmm. of more in the background. But I love that the, um, I don't know, this movie has a kind of like a, um, it has a dollhouse kind of feel to things. Like there's yeah. two-dimensionality to it. Like when the, the squirrels are moving into the, moving their stuff into the treehouse, right? It's very, yeah. like a, a cutaway dollhouse, but of, of the tree. But there's other scenes like all over this movie that have that two-dimensional feel. And mm-hmm it makes it feel like like the movie is a is something you are playing as the audience like as yeah. a kid and that's so fun yeah absolutely it gives it it gives it that like handmade feel mm-hmm. like it feels like this is you know childhood casey making legos lego movies in his backyard <laughs> you know obviously at a very different scale with l- a lot more money right. <laughs> um but but it still has because of the the details that he puts into it like it still has that feel to it that yeah that it's just like you know a make-believe game that you're playing in your backyard and these are the characters yeah it's absolutely bonkers something else that i found out that was really interesting was so for the voiceovers they recorded prior to the puppet animation because you that's just gonna make things easier it makes sense for stop motion that you have the voiceovers to match the puppets to the voice but then they would often record it in a natural setting rather than in the studio which i love like they're recording outside in a forest or in a barn and i I just that makes me so happy i don't know why but it makes me so So, happy (laughs) i watched a 15 minute video of them doing the voice acting right and not only do they do it like out in the world and like out on locations but they also acted together so like um like Bill Murray and George Clooney were were in scenes together and, and stuff like that. But George Clooney, like doing somersaults over the grass <laughs> to then deliver his line is just like I it I don't know what it is. It's just perfect. And then um there's one where he's like they're in a um I feel like it's like a like a like a metal like old school RV kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like the metal gastro kind of like whatever and he's in the back of it so that it'll create an echo for his line so he delivers his line and then they cut and they're like okay but now do it with like your fake echo voice and then so he gives the line again and then echoes on purpose like the last line and it's just he he goes like above and beyond and also the scene like the scenes where he's sitting at the table eating like that's like the way that he did those is insane to me as well um yeah it just the the whole the whole process of this movie is is one of my favorite things to learn about and yeah it makes sense that they would do the voices before they they actually do the stop motion animation because it's a lot easier (laughs) to to then decide how exactly what his face should look like you know the puppet's face should look like as they're saying that line and they actually use george clooney a lot for um like modeling like different scenes like to movement and stuff like that 
to then give Mr. Fox like his kind of little attitude. Well, and also uh, Wes Anderson did. Uh, did you see those videos? <laughs> so, so Wes Anderson made little iPhone videos of himself acting out the scenes, you know, showing the facial expressions, the scene blocking, the body movements. And then they put all this Wes Anderson footage in an animatic storyboard. Yeah. So they could get all of it right and the pacing and the order and everything. So somewhere out there, this movie exists, but just of Wes Anderson acting just out. Just Wes Anderson acting, <laughs> acting around an invisible tree. Yeah. <laughs> There's one that I saw of him, like, where he circles the tree and then, like, leans up against the tree and, like, has um, the piece of wheat in his oh, mouth yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, there's no tree there. And somehow he's still <laughs> leaning. And he's in, like, a robe and slippers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I want to see all of the footage. I want that movie. I, I mean, I love the, the final product, but I also want that whole movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I saw a lot of footage of what they called, like, the, the um, puppet hospital. Whereas what what I was explaining earlier, when whenever they would use a puppet too much and it needed to get his you know clothes fixed or some hair reattached or maybe from manipulating the face too much, you know, like his face started getting droopy, they would have to go and then fix all of those those different parts. Um, and seeing the puppet like without a face <laughs> is pretty terrifying. Um. It, it's it's very scary <laughs> um but but also like a lot of the little tricks that they they did in order for it to be easier to to manipulate these puppets for instance like the eyes each had like a small hole right in the center so they could stick like a pin in it and move the eye in order for them to easily move it for whatever if he's looking to the side or if he glances a different way, which I think is absolutely incredible. What else? Uh, they talked a lot about lighting because they had to light fur um, and not clay. And um, one of the scenes that I thought was very interesting was the scene where they're in the cellar with all of the bottles. And it, it's um, self-illuminating. So like the, there's no um, external light like from the, from the background. The only light that's lighting that scene is coming through the bottles. So um, the, they, they, they talk about how they had to manipulate each bottle every time they would move like far enough forward because if you got if you went fa too far into like the scene, the light kind of became more dim. So they had to like move the bottles along with it like further into the scene in order to keep the light like just right. And That's then so he also talked yeah, he also talks about how this is supposed to take place like in autumn. So originally it was going to be like super muddy. Like everything was just going to be all mud. But it, it it's very difficult to shoot with mud when you're doing stop motion animation because it's not very predictable on how it falls and, and, and how it, it splashes and stuff. Um, so they decided to just not shoot with any blues or greens. So anytime there is like a pop of blue or green, it's like very jarring because this entire movie is, is all reds, yellows, and oranges, which still gives it that like autumn feel without needing the mud. Right. I think they said that Christofferson is one of the few characters that has a different color to sort of yeah. um, hit home that he is an outsider. He's not yeah. from this place. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought was like super, super interesting as well. And I just, I love all of the like little gimmicks, like all of the, the, like I said, the, um, the cotton ball smoke, yes, like I that's my favorite thing. <laughs> Anytime there's just a little detail that's just like minuscule. Um, it's just so interesting like that, like the smoke, um, the fur, 
I love yeah. even just like, because the movie opens with a rolled doll book, but I love that the rolled doll book is clearly from the library because it has like the library label yeah. on the spine. <laughs> like they didn't need to do that, but I just, it's just an amazing little detail that gives it that tangibility. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I learned was when they went to uh, the Rodal residence, I know that the house has a name because mm, of yeah, course it remember. does, but I don't remember what the <laughs> name of the house is. They were actually given like early copies of the book and early ir- illustrations that he had done himself. So like they used a lot of that. They also uh, used a lot of like the original um, illustrator whose name is Donald Chafin. And he actually like visited set a bunch of times to like kind of help out and and like say like oh this this looks cool but you should do it like this, you know and, and which I thought was absolutely insane and amazing and yeah you can tell I just there's this so much <laughs> you can tell there's a lot of reverence for the Roald Dahl story like Wes Anderson said it's one of the first books if not the first book that he owned and he still has that same copy that um, I think it was his mom or his grandma gave him on, on his shelf that's so cool and. And you know they really used the the story from the book. It's other than they added some stuff to the beginning and they expanded on the end. Yeah, they, they kind of treated the book as a one act and just added the, the act before and the, the act after. And um, they even lifted certain dialogue straight from the book. Like there's just a lot of reverence to it. Oh, the backgrounds! I didn't talk about the backgrounds yet. So all the backgrounds are like hand painted and I like all that. of all of like the paintings that. Um, Mrs. Felicity. Fox, yeah. Felicity, uh, paints are actually like hand painted. So I was watching someone with a tiny, tiny paintbrush ti- paint these tiny, tiny paintings. I love her paintings. They're so yeah, they're, they're so cool. <laughs> I love that. I oh. I just love that everything in this is like hand done. Like yeah. there is no um like they did the the I know that they did the animated storyboards to kind of like just like you said set the pacing, make sure that the spacing and everything is set correctly, but I I just I love the feeling of everything being hand done. I think that it it makes it stands it out from the likes of like Coraline or um or or other movies that are just kind of more polished. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a great... And I feel the same way about Isle of Dogs, which I believe he uses a lot more technology in Isle of Dogs than he did this. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, because, I, I mean, for sure, the news and stuff is like 2D animation in the stop-motion animation, which still right. blows my I mind. I love that so much. It still blows <laughs> it my mind. so good. Um, Isle of Dogs is such a good movie. Really if you guys is. haven't seen it, check it out. It's on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Um, as is this, as is Fantastic Mr. Fox. But but yeah, I I absolutely adore the fact that, that he has fallen in love with stop motion animation, like creating it. Yeah. Because I would imagine that he, you know, obviously has a respect for those that, that have created before him. <laughs> um, but I, I he just seems to have so much fun with it and it makes me the happiest. For sure. I love, I mean, I really like I Love Docs, but I think that, I, I don't know, there's something really special about Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think that's just... Um, it's more rewatchable, I think. I think it's a little more accessible to a younger audience, too. Yeah, I get that. I Love Dogs is... I mean, it's not adult, but it is PG-13, whereas this is a, a family-friendly PG film. And so, yeah, I just... I love this movie. <laughs> so do I. I just... I I am still baffled all of the time, whether it's live action or stop-motion animation, at Wes Anderson's attention to detail. Like, going back just into costuming, like, just... I was reading that they would mock up like 20 buttons 
for like each like whatever outfit the character was wearing and he would be like okay i like this button shape but that button design with like and then they would have to go and create the button that he wants (laughs) and and it's just and like i couldn't tell you what any of those buttons on any of those costumes look like right now and i've seen this movie like five times no i've seen this movie more than five times i've seen this movie a lot and i couldn't tell you any of those minute details and it's just it, it his attention to detail is just insane the grocery store i don't know why but the grocery store gives me so much joy i i think it, i just love miniature in general like Same. It, there's just something special about it and that grocery store is just so fun <laughs> It's so, because the thing is that it's so clean, right? Like, that's the whole thing, is that you've spent your entire, the entire movie in this, like, more uh, rustic, uh, like, dirty. Yeah. (laughs) Not dirty, but, like, just more rustic, more woodsy. And then you get to this this, uh, grocery store, and it's white and clean, and everything is lined up perfectly, and it's just, again, like, that's another scene where um, the lights come from the actual props and not from, like, an, uh, an external lighting. Um, so it's it's self-luminating, I, I believe is what they call it. Um, and it's just it's again, it's it's just satisfying to watch because of the perfect lines and like the organized cans and yeah. all of the things. I just love it because it's like you can tell it's a miniature and you know it's a yeah. miniature, but it also feels like a real grocery store. the the lighting, the reflections, the way the food is presented on the shelves. Yeah, it feels real. Absolutely. This movie has one of my favorite lines. You wrote a bad song, PT. (laughs) (laughs) That line is so funny to me. That's just lazy songwriting. Oh, I didn't mention this earlier. So the the animators that worked on it, Ian McKinnon and Peter Saunders, Sanders, Saunders, Saunders. There's a U. Um, have worked on like they worked on the Corpse Bride. They worked on Chicken Run and Coraline. So like they knew what they were doing, and they like the way that they talk about working with Wes Anderson. It was like it didn't matter that we knew what we were doing. Like he wanted to do everything. He knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted everything to look like. And it it, it was challenging for them because they're like, that's not how we do things in stop motion animation. And Wes Anderson's like, well, figure it out because this is how we're doing it, Uh, which I absolutely love. Originally, the animation director was going to be Henry Selleck, who worked on Nightmare Before Christmas, okay. um, James, James the Giant Peach, and Coraline. But he... Um, I forgot about James and the Giant Peach. He left. He had to leave the project, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, to direct Coraline. Um, I think it was just a scheduling issue or something. Mm-hmm. But he stayed in contact with Anderson throughout. I think he was one of the people that Wes Anderson was sending his uh, his little <laughs> iPhone videos. His little uh, iMovies? Yeah. <laughs> I want them all. I know. Me too. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. What's your favorite, like visually, what's your favorite scene? I, that's hard. Uh, definitely the grocery store is one. Um, I love the the little town with the, that they're kind of having a battle in at the end. Um, that whole set piece is so fun with the pine cones on fire hitting all the yeah. little stores and that that whole big set piece is so fun. That's what I was I was going to the explosion is like my yes. favorite. Visually, oh, yeah. the explosion is my favorite. Um again cuz it kind of tickles that like the the cotton smoke is still my favorite thing in stop motion animation always. Yeah. Um and then the actual like 
plastic fire pieces and and stuff right. like that just get me because you can't you can't just light the set on fire right because that would be bad um, so just the the way that they they come up with these creative ways to you know anime smoke and fire and water and and all of the things it's just it's it was one of my favorite things in the lego movie too yeah um which the lego movie is digitally done right there there are a couple of shots in the lego movie that were stop motion but very very few it was yeah yeah 99.9 percent probably uh digital yeah but but the whole thing is that it feels like stop motion yeah they they lego. lit it in the same way and they give the lego figures dirt and grime and fingerprints so yeah. it gives that that small feel but yeah it is it yeah is so like one of my favorite things is when they're going through water on the pirate ship and you see just like the little lego pieces yeah, like coming out right. yeah. and that that's one of like my favorite things and i know that it's not real stop motion but it's the same again the same kind of like it, it tugs at the same strings in my brain mm -hmm. of like yep. who decided that cotton was going to be good smoke like why didn't they use anything else yeah. and like it absolutely i can't think of anything else to use for smoke right now but right. like it's just it's genius like it's absolute genius to me this movie is just so good it's so good it's, it's so, so fun good. it really is i love the um another visual thing that i love is i love the wide shots of the three farms mm -hmm. um and you know the train passes by which i guess that train they used it's the same train that they used in the little bedroom when ash and Christopherson are playing with it yeah. so like it's just a different scale but it's not a different scale <laughs> so it's just it's bonkers it's yeah. bonkers to me because like I could never in my brain like create this so to watch other people's like their creative process of having to do it um like like go going through their creative process and and witnessing like their genius <laughs> because yeah. it's genius it's just like wow i would have never thought of that like i would have no. never thought of it at all Ugh. it's good oh one other thing i loved about the you had mentioned the bottles before mm -hmm. if you notice the bob the bottles have like the like bubbles will go up and down mm -hmm. in them that wasn't something they planned for it's just the barometric pressure would change um like through the scene or overnight and so yeah. as they're you know doing each shot each frame the bubbles just happen to go up and down just because of the actual pressure in the room I, I i don't know that i found anywhere where it says like how long it took them to make this movie mm, yeah um but i would be very curious to see like how long it took them from start to finish to make this movie because right. yeah i talked about the different scales of the puppets i talked about making the puppets which this article says uses the term liquid puppet flesh which i hate oh, <laughs> i hate it so much um liquid but yeah so for the animals they use foam latex and silicone for the human faces any final any final thoughts from from you my friend i just i am i i have said this like four times already but i'm just like baffled at how amazing it is to create something like this and how intricate and and all of the details that goes into it and like all of the people that had to work on it because it's hundreds of people like sewing little corduroy suits and and you know 
pouring the liquid puppet flesh and and you know creating the the ball and socket joints and putting the skeleton like just like everything 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 it's just absolutely insane to me the amount of detail and hard work that goes into making a movie like this and it's it's why stop motion is definitely my favorite form of anim my favorite form of animation and i have nothing but respect for the people that create it yeah same i you and i share a love of um behind the scenes and well yes a lot of all (laughs) the things pretty much but but especially behind the scenes and i think it's because we both um you know i've mentioned it before on our podcast but when i even if it's a movie that i think is just okay but you learn about what goes into into it you just appreciate it all the more exactly like for instance like nightmare before christmas is by far not my favorite story like it's i i don't i'm not in love with the story of nightmare before christmas but after watching so many documentaries and so many behind the scenes things it's just like absolutely bonkers and i love it so much because i know how hard everybody worked and i i can appreciate the art form so much more because of that Right. Like if I learn something about a random live action movie, it's like, yeah, I appreciate it all the more. But when I learn more about a stop motion film, it's it's that same feeling, but turned up to 11. And it's um, I don't know, it's really commendable. Uh, that's that's that word doesn't do it justice. How? Yeah. How amazing stop motion really is. Absolutely. And, and it's funny because like I. I watched, uh, there's a docuseries on Disney Plus on the making of Frozen 2. And it's, I feel like it's like 10 episodes. And it's like, or it's like, it, maybe it's like five two-hour episodes. I remember it being like very, pretty extensive. And I remember watching it and being like, yeah, this is cool. Like, I, I can understand. I can, I, I can appreciate the pressure that they were under. I can appreciate all the deadlines and like, you know, learning about people who like sat there and animated 30 seconds of film that ended up getting cut at the end. Like, you feel for them and whatever. But I, it still didn't give me that same like, wow, that I get from learning about stop motion. Because I, and I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not saying that what, you know, computer animators do isn't amazing it is i could again something i could never do but it's just the amount of detail that goes into stop motion i i think just like completely uh shadows over anything like absolutely anything i I think i appreciate how unnecessary stop motion is because (laughs) because computer animation is again easy is not the right word because it does take so much artistry um, and there are films that need to be computer animated. Like we talked about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That movie has to be in the medium that it's in. Yeah, um, it, it wouldn't work any other way. But I love stop motion because it is unnecessary. It is it is old school to maintain a, a, a tangibility to it um, that you don't get from from computer animation. And that's fine. Not Computer animation isn't trying to be that. But any of the stop motion movies that have been made could have been made computer animated yeah i mean we talked they would have been fine movies yeah and they would have been fine movies but there's just something extra extra special absolutely i mean like we were talking about the lego movie and the lego movie still gives like that feel of stop motion but how much cooler would it have been if it was actually like built legos the entire movie (laughs) you know not not actually like okay i'm a little disappointed that that's you know all computer animated except for a few scenes you know like it's a little disappointing (laughs) um yeah i just it's so good and 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 you you're still seeing films come out i mean kubo and the two strings came out what five years ago um isle of dogs came out in 2018 so even after that 
Um, and I know that there's been a few uh, new ones. The Missing Link was was one that came out, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's not um, like I like it. I like it a lot, but it's not as good as Kubo. I feel like I feel like there's too much digital stuff in it. Like you can oh, tell. Okay. Um, I mean, it's still stop motion. And I would still characterize it as that. But Kubo, there's very little that's that's digital and Missing Link. They kind of went in a slightly different direction, but um, still really good. Still worth seeing. Uh, when Kubo came out, there was like one clip of like them doing one of the scenes, one like probably like 10 second scene or whatever mm-hmm. that was just going around the internet. And I think I watched that clip at least 30 times. Yeah. Because it's just so fascinating because they have to speed it up, right? So like you see the person working in real time, which is like sped up to like three times, you know, just to get this like one 10 second scene. Yeah. And it's just, again, like so much work and so much dedication to doing it. It's just, it's a whole other level. I'm sad. I didn't get to see Kubo in theaters. I remember seeing the trailer and I wanted to see it, but I didn't, I didn't end up. And then I, I saw it later, you know, at home and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so the same thing happened to us. My brother, again, is the, is the person kind of like shoved me into stop motion animation, um, had been like, we need to go see this movie. We need to go see this movie. We need to go see this movie. And we never saw it. And we were on vacation and uh, we stayed home one of the nights that we were on vacation because we rented like a log cabin. So we were just kind of like enjoying a fire and like doing things that you can't do in Miami like have all of the windows open and it be a, an acceptable temperature um, and so he's like hey this movie's finally out let's rent it let's let's watch it so we we sat down and watched it and he, the entire night he's like I told you guys we needed to see this in the theaters and luckily I think that summer they re-released it like because down here they do a bunch of like for for the kids like they'll re-release like old movies during the summer so you can take your kids to the movies and they can see a movie and they re-released it and we saw it at like two in the afternoon on a Tuesday awesome (laughs) just because like we had to see it in theaters yeah Kubo's so good it is the the sad thing is it's hard to find anywhere like like yeah. we have it on, you know, we own it, but it's not really streaming anywhere easily accessible. No. We did, Valerie and I did an episode on it that no one really listened to because no one's really seen yeah. the Kubo and they didn't want to be spoiled, um, which I'm I'm glad. I don't think people should be spoiled, but I, they need to they need to make that one a little more accessible because there's Absolutely. other Leica movies that you can find easier. Like I don't think Coraline's too hard to, to find and um like you know the box trolls or paranorman i think those were all on netflix or paranorman it's a good one i, I still need to see in a while i still haven't seen paranorman actually That's i liked I, it i missed i think it's because it was a little spookier that i kind of missed it but um what was I'll it the franken the frankenweedy was another good one. Oh yeah that was the tim burton one yeah right? yeah and you mentioned it earlier i forgot i used to be obsessed with james and the giant peach i love really? james and the giant peach that one's creepy yes I don't dislike um, it, but Valerie hates hates that one. <laughs> again, probably not a movie that I watched in the dark, but I was still like it was one of those movies that I watched like all of the time. Yeah. I do like that I like any time a movie mixes mediums, you know, that one or mixes media, because that one starts in the live action and then kind of transitions into the stop motion, which I think is really, really cool. So Absolutely. I'm trying to think of what other I mean, Coraline we talked about uh, chicken yes. run chicken oh, runs a good chicken one chicken run chicken run is a good one 
Oh, The Corpse Bride is another one that I used to watch a lot. Yeah, Corpse Bride. I, my brother was just very into Tim Burton, so we watched all of the Tim Burton movies. There is a stop motion movie coming out that is coming to Netflix, I believe, this year, and it is with um, written by uh, Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, and Henry Selick is the the director. Ooh. So so there's got some good names. Wendell and Wild, it's called. It's billed as an animated dark fantasy horror comedy film. Stop motion, animated, dark fantasy horror comedy film. <laughs> that That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is very interesting. I'm intrigued. I'm, I think it'll... I think it's supposed to come out this year. Jordan Peele has definitely been in the horror, like... Yeah. Right, he, with, with, um, with Get Out and then Us... Yeah, so, and a little bit with the Twilight Zone stuff too. So oh, I haven't seen any of the Twilight Zone. I haven't stuff. either, but I know we actually he was just involved, got so. Paramount Plus, so I might have to watch that. Oh, is it on there? Yeah, um, I feel like I have to refuse to get that on principle. I get it. I we had it back when it was CBS All Access because oh. we really wanted to watch Picard. Yeah. Um. How is Picard? I like Star Trek. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I like the 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 new Star like the new series better than I like Picard cuz oh, they, uh, they have a new Star Discovery Trek series or Discovery yeah um, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that more than Picard. But then I saw that, like, basically my entire childhood, like, all the Nickelodeon stuff is on there. Oh, so yeah. I was just like, man, we can't get rid of this now. And I haven't watched Twilight Zone. I have to watch Twilight Zone. Do they have Snow Day on there? It's I don't know. It's a Nickelode- is it a Nickelodeon? Have, have you seen Snow Day? I don't think I have. Oh. See, no one's seen Snow Day. I'm, I'm curious. I have to look it up now. Which, is it a movie? Yeah, it was like a Nickelodeon movie. In the 90s. Oh, 2000. You're 2000. Excuse me. Actually, I think I have seen this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's not great, but it's great. No, but I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, not great, but it's great. Oh, that's so funny. I'm sure it's on there. They have legitimately all of the Nickelodeon things. Like, we were watching all that from, like, the oh, late 90s. Classic. I love yes. that. Yes. Like, like, oh, Baby like, Keenan Thompson. Baby Keenan Thompson, Baby Amanda Bynes. Oh no! Yeah. Like from before she was on, because oh, she before, didn't yeah. she didn't come on until like season four or five. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's baby the original Keenan and Kel when they're really little. <laughs> yeah, before Keenan and Kel was even a show. Yeah, it was great. We we also watched Keenan and Kel a couple of episodes, and I was just like, wow, my childhood, right in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a great movie. Everybody oh, should watch it. If you've gotten go watch it. this far into this episode and haven't watched that movie, I commend you, but also like go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. We also didn't really spoil anything because we were really focused on behind the scenes. Oh yeah, we, so. we really didn't talk too much about the story, so we didn't spoil anything. I said there's a grocery store at the end. That's all you know. So <laughs> And an explosion. Right. And there an is an explosion. There's you smoke just... and fire. <laughs> so much smoke. <laughs> There's pine cones on and fire. A tree and the color orange. That's that's it. And there's definitely a fox, at least one fox. And a train in the background. And Whack Bat. We didn't talk about Whack Bat. We didn't talk about Whack Bat. That's another that. gorgeous scene. I love that scene though. The the incomprehensibility of the rules is <laughs> masterful. <laughs> uh you have to I'm going to send you the clip of Wes Anderson, like, explaining the rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they're on fire. <laughs> and they're on fire. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Eni, thank you so much for chatting about Fantastic Mr. Fox with me. Thank you for having me. You can, I will come on here and talk about anything you ever want to talk about. Sounds great. I, I always enjoy our chats. They are delightful. So that sounded really like, yeah, they're okay. <laughs> I meant it though. I meant it when I oh, said I they're delightful. Okay. I know, Casey. You're good. I'm just monotone. So yeah, if, if you want to know more about Eni and listen to Eni talk about musical theater, check out Sincerely Us, where where can people find you? So yeah, uh, I host, I'm half of, of the hosting team of Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. We have new episodes every Wednesday, wherever podcasts are sold. Um, podcasts are free, by the way. Never pay for a podcast. <laughs> uh, we are part of the WBNE network, so you can check out all of our info at WBNE.org. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, my handle is at underscore Eeny Meeny. That's I-N-Y-M-E-E-N-Y. Yes, please do all <laughs> those things that she said because it is it will add so much value to your life. If you want to become a patron of Elsewhere, just head to Hello from Elsewhere or patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere for just three dollars a month you get access to the discord and guess who else is on the discord i'm in the discord is on the discord so the discord is the most wonderful place on the internet it's literally where casey and i became best friends so this is true if you want to be best friends with us you should join discord that's where we met uh i i joined the discord before before obviously before hello from elsewhere was part of wbne and because WBNE wasn't a thing quite yet. And you started listening to Hello From Elsewhere just because I had mentioned I it had wasn't a even It wasn't even Hello From Elsewhere True. yet. True. Okay, yes, this is the first <laughs> defunct podcast. But you had mentioned to me, you were like, I hope this isn't weird to say, but I like your voice. That's what you told me. <laughs> I, so we had talked, like, I think we had probably, like, talked superficially in the Discord for maybe like two days like yeah, just talking about movies yeah. like just talking about movies and like star wars probably and, right. and then you mentioned having a podcast and i'm like oh where, link your podcast i want to listen to your podcast and then i turned it on and i'm like that is not what i was expecting <laughs> <laughs> what were you I expecting like, my voice to sound i like? don't know That's just what I not it's, I don't know that I was expecting anything. I just wasn't expecting the Casey voice. The voice this, the voice and face of WBNE. <laughs> this deep, sultry. I wasn't. Hello, and honestly, hello it's. Hello from elsewhere. <laughs> it, it, it's my favorite thing. And Valerie has an amazing voice, too. She does. I agree. She has the best voice. Yeah, Valerie, Valerie is taking a break because a human baby will be coming soon. Because she's busy creating life. Yeah. So um, as mentioned in our previous episode, we're going to have some exciting, super duper, super duper exciting guests to sort of take over Hello from Elsewhere for the month of April. And we are so excited for that to, to happen. Sincerely, us may or may not be on that list. And by may or may not, I mean definitely is on that they, list. Yes, it's, it's on the <laughs> list. Yes. <laughs> we're we on the list. We're so excited for those guest guest stars to take over and they might just um do a better job so yeah we could never it'll be a letdown when we we come back but absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> you'll be sorely missed so as mentioned hello from elsewhere is a proud member of wbne visit wbne.org for more fabulous podcasts like perspective z 
Have you ever wondered what Gen Z was thinking while half the generation was eating Tide Pods? Or what those gosh darn kids are up to these days? Well, then you should check out our podcast, Perspective Z, hosted by me, Rachel. And me, Katrina. We discuss pop culture, politics, and everything in between, and give you our perspective as two Gen Z ladies trying to figure out our place in the world. Listen along to hear our thoughts and opinions as we gear up for college and beyond. So make sure to check out new episodes of Perspective Z every Monday on the WBNE network at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now on Spotify. Toodles! Well, Eni, the the farmers, Bogus, Bunts, and Bean are kind of chasing us out of here, so... I guess I gotta go then. They're gonna explode something, so we better... <laughs> there's gonna be an explosion. There's gonna be an explosion, and we want to avoid said explosion, so we're out of here. So on that note, happy beeps. Happy beeps.